Hallelujah. What I've prepared is uh, bringing the super to the natural. And um, as I was sharing this idea, this, uh, this idea with Janita, she said, well, please don't wear your underwear on the outside. Okay. <laughs> I'll let that one sort of float out there for a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. But um, we are called to live supernaturally, aren't we? We are called to, to undertake this journey on earth in our natural context, in the context of our situation and circumstances and whatever life throws at us. But at the same time, in Christ, we are called to live supernaturally as well. And I want to just explore this this morning as we uh, look at that. So 1 Corinthians 15.46 says this, The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. Now when we look at that in context, Paul is talking about the resurrection of Christ. That The whole chapter 15 is talking about um, how Christ rose and that how we will rise um, and that how we express that uh, in our life. But there's a principle here I want to draw out in that first there's a natural and then there's a spiritual. Uh, even in when, you, when you look at um, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 5, he says that, your kingdom come, your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. So there's a sense of heaven and earth colliding. There's a sense of whatever is happening in heaven, Lord, let it be found to be happening here on earth. And in our life, there's that sense that, Lord, whatever your plan is for me in, in the architectural room of heaven, where you drew out your plans for me, let it be that that outworks itself in my life here on earth. Because we're not just waiting for heaven, are we? I mean, if, you, if you've become a Christian and all you're doing now is waiting for heaven, I'm telling you, you're wasting your time while you're here. You're wasting time. As a good friend said to me, you're burning daylight. Who's ever heard that expression? But Christianity is not just about waiting for heaven. It's about who we are right now and what Christ has made us to be. What do we have in heaven? Well, if you read Revelation, you see that, what? There's no pain. There's no tears. There's no sickness. All those things. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we saw Jesus minister as a man 2,000 years ago, I don't know about you, but I noticed in the Gospels that a majority, majority of his ministry was healing people. I don't know if you've, you've read um, the Gospels as a block or, you know, just concentrated on the Gospels, but you read. The majority of the Gospel is about Jesus healing people. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when people saw that Jesus, who was from heaven affecting their natural surrounding, affecting their natural life, all of a sudden, what was their words? We have never seen anything like this before. Where does this man teach with such authority? And people started to take notice. Not because he was wise in the scriptures, but because heaven and earth were getting pulled together and outworking itself 
through the life of Jesus and it was affecting their natural surroundings. Here's a saying that I've come up with. Spiritual truth has earthly application. And you can write that down and ponder on it for a while. But spiritual truth always has earthly application. Amen? Can I hear an amen? Again, when we read the Gospels and we read that Jesus was trying to um, explain spiritual principles, what did he use? He used earthly examples, didn't he? He used um, examples from agriculture. He used examples from, from fishing. Why? Because that's what the people in their natural context understood. He wasn't trying to explain it in, in spiritual language that no, no one would be able to understand. But he was explaining the spiritual truth in how they express their earthly existence. And my friends, I want to encourage us today. How are we expressing our earthly experience? Are we allowing the spiritual truth to infiltrate it and direct us and help us and guide us? Paul, as he was writing the New Testament many times, he uses the natural surroundings and the experiences of everyday life to express the spiritual truths. Often he uses a context of the human body to express how the body of Christ works. You see it in Corinthians, you see it um, many other places in Romans. You see in Ephesians when he's um, trying to explain the concept of spiritual warfare, what does he do? He uses the armour of the Roman centurion. Why? Because people have seen it. They, they understand it. Now, I don't know. It's, it's probably just because I like to bring everything down to practicality. Because for me, if it's not practical, I sort of tend to toss it aside. Are you the same? I mean, I, I'm not much into theories. And I'm not much into conspiracies and all that sort of stuff. If it has earthly application and it is a spiritual truth then I will try and outwork it and this is what I'm encouraging us here this morning with here's another quote you might want to think about the expression of our earthly existence reflects our spiritual condition what do I mean by that well often you can tell where someone is in their spiritual walk by the way they express in themselves in certain situations. And that's a challenge. Because even right now, we might be going through stuff with, it seems the Holy Spirit is just all pointing this morning towards this sense of overcoming whatever situation we find ourselves in. And there's that sense that, if we know this as a spiritual truth, how is that being outworked in our natural surroundings, in our everyday life? Because it seems that you know, we, can, it, it, we can have this cognitive understanding of we are overcomers. We can have this 
this understanding and learning and we can even point to the scriptures that Jesus is the victor and we have the victory. And yet somehow in our natural everyday life we're just freaking out. We're freaking out and we're letting things get to us and we're getting upset and we're blaming things and and our life just looks like a... What? It looks messy. But you see, if we want to bring the super into the natural, we've got to let that spiritual truth somehow affect the expression of our life here on earth. Amen? And so that even though we're going through this time of crisis, even though there might be... You know, the vultures are swarming, waiting for the body to die and the flesh to start rotting. We can say, be away, you vultures. I'm not dead yet. Why? Because we are going to apply the truth into our life. You know what super means? Super is just a a Latin prefix which means above or beyond. That's all it is. Look at the word supervision. What does supervision mean? Supervision. It means that someone is just above your, looking over you. I was going, as I was thinking about this, I was going to use the term Superman, but he's just a comic book fictional hero, so I can't use him but he flies above doesn't he if you believe in superman i know you do just no batman rules okay all right let's not get into wives tales and endless genealogies here which do nothing to promote the cause of christ but you understand where I'm coming from. Being supernatural is not this weird, you know, voodoo, magical, mystical thing out there. We can actually all be supernatural. It just means that we are going to live beyond or above our natural abilities. We are going to live in the truth of God in our life. That's all it is. So your circumstance might be here, and we might see that our circumstances put us here. But faith and truth is actually put us here. So if we're going to live in our natural context, we're going to stay down here. But if we're going to live in the, in the spiritual truth of what God has called us and what Christ has made us to be, and we're going to let that, and we're going to let that affect us and affect how... Our, our emotion is, affect how our, our moods are and affect our response to that, then all of a sudden we see ourselves rising into a state of being supernatural. It doesn't make us super spiritual. It doesn't make us, you know, better than anyone else. All it makes us is to come in line with the truth of God in our life. And this is what I want us to take away this morning. This is what I want us to wrap up and bring home and apply it to our life, that we can all live supernaturally. 
we can apply one principle that we know to be found in the Word of God. And if we apply it in our life in a certain time when it is warranted, then we are living supernaturally and we are living more so according to the plan of God in our life than someone who is not applying it and yet knows every chapter and verse in the Bible. You think it's beyond you? No, it's not. Just one principle. Take one principle that you know to be true in the Word of God and apply it to your life and all of a sudden you are living supernaturally. Amen. Your circumstance does not determine who you are. It is the Word of God that determines that. And I'm not saying that we have to live in denial. I'm not saying that we have to come, you know, try and um, imagine ourselves in some uh, fairy tale situation, some utopian mindset that we just, you know, ignore and, and forget what is happening around us. No, it is still all real. And that stuff that happens to us still affects us. You know, it still hurts and, and it still causes a, an element of pain. But in response to that, how do we express ourselves? Matthew 11, Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. We know this first world, don't we? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is the yoke of Christ? The yoke of truth and faith. It is the yoke of knowing who we are. It is the yoke of knowing what Christ has done for us. It is the yoke of our hope and our destiny. These are the important things that we need to know. Jesus said, all those troublesome things, give them to me and take from me that yoke that is light. So it's simple. If you want to live supernaturally, all you need to do is take our natural circumstance, add to it a principle that is above it and beyond it, and walk in it. Can I say that again? To live supernaturally, we take the circumstance we find ourselves in, we apply a spiritual truth to it, a truth that is above, from above, we apply it to it and we walk in that you see because to know the truth and not to apply it you may as well not even know it I always say that and I'll stick to that as long as I live that if you know it and don't apply it you may as well not even know it but when we know it and apply it then it becomes powerful in our life take for, take for example At times, a lot of us question our worth. Something happens in our life. Maybe someone makes a statement about us. 
And we just sit back and we reflect and we think, you know, really, who am I? Am I worth it? Am I just a waste? And if we allow that thought to continue, what does it do? It brings us down, doesn't it? It brings us down. It starts to then manifest in the way we, we talk to others. It manifests in the way we look at ourselves. It manifests in, in how we express ourselves and apply ourselves to our everyday life. And if you keep allowing it to affect you in that way, guess what? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And nothing becomes of us. And we don't try anything because why would it, even anyone take notice of me because I'm not worth anything. I'm worthless. Can you see the natural progression if we allow that line of thinking to keep going? But if we apply our spiritual truth in that Christ died for us and our value is not found in what we do but we're found in what he has done for us and we start to meditate upon that, then guess what? We start to see ourselves as valuable. We start to see ourselves as who we are, Christ's child, and that we have the right to be called his child. And then guess what? As our thinking starts to make it correct itself, we then add value to our own life, but then we also see that we can add value to the life of others. My friends, this principle of living supernaturally is not beyond us. It is not beyond us. It's not dependent on our knowledge. It's not dependent on the time that we've been a Christian. It's not dependent on what, you know, great revelation we've received. It's dependent on knowing the truth. And when we know the truth, come on, you all know this one, John 8, the truth sets us all right, some of you don't know it, so turn to the person next to you, say, do you know this, that when you know the truth, come on, tell them, the truth will set you The truth will set you free and allow us to walk supernaturally. Here's four areas very quickly that the Bible points us to. And again, I love Paul. I love his writing. Why? Because he's very practical. He always brings the spiritual, uh, uh, the spiritual, um, oh, I forgot the word, the spiritual truth, and he applies it in our everyday life. You know, he, he calls our journey a race, doesn't he? Seems quite pertinent now that the Olympics are started, that we're focused on racing and competition and, and all this sort of stuff. But Paul refers to our life as a race. And he makes note of this many times. Firstly, in Hebrews 12.1, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders that's the first thing. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that trips us up, that entangles us. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Sometimes our natural environment, our circumstance, we find ourselves in life will try to entangle us, will try to trip us up, 
Paul's not just talking about the bad things, not talking about just the sinful things, the wrong things, but just sometimes life will entangle us or try to. But he's saying in those circumstances, what are we going to do? What's the spiritual truth? Come on, work with me here. What are we going to do? We're going to throw them off, aren't we? We're going to become like Teflon, aren't we? It's going to come along and straight off. It's not even sticking. Why? Because I want to run my race with perseverance. With perseverance. You know, someone says something to you. I know where you're coming from, guys. I've been in ministry for close to 20 years. I know what it is for people to come and try and help you. <laughs> but you see, often you just got to let people allow, you allow them to have their opinion, but then you always got to take it to the truth of the Bible. And sometimes you just got to let it go through to the wicket keeper and keep moving forward. Why? Because it will entangle us. It will cause us to trip up. Perseverance means exactly that. The connotation of perseverance is to go forward even those things are trying to drag us back. It's that sense of having the heavy boots, but we're still going to move forward. We're still going to put one foot in front of the other and we're not going to allow circumstance to pull us down or drag us backwards or make us stop and go back. What is your circumstance this morning? What do you find yourself in life facing? It could be a family situation. It could be a work situation. It could be something in your life physically or emotionally. We need to reflect upon it and then find the spiritual truth that is applied to it and keep moving forward. People. Hallelujah. People are great, aren't they? I love people. I think people are awesome. I'm one myself. But people, some people, may take you off track. Paul was alluding to this in Galatians where he says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who came in and led you astray and kept you from obeying the truth? Again, that, that, that example of running, that example of a race, and yet someone has come in and taken us off track. Has that happened to you lately? Has someone tried to take you off track? Even subtly. Even in a subtle manner. Somehow, by the words they've said to you or by, by actions that they've influenced you by, all of a sudden, instead of running on the track inside the line, you find yourself in the outer field and wandering around. Be aware, people. Be aware. 
Not every person is good for you. Be aware, some relationships are toxic. And some relationships you have to let go. I don't say that lightly. And I don't say that to you to take that lightly either. But I know I've had to let go of relationships in my life. Why? Because I knew if they continued, I was going to be led astray. Very quickly, the last two, a lack of preparation. Who's ever run in a race before or competed on any level in any sport? If we're going to be serious about it, what do we do? We train, don't we? We practice. We commit ourselves to doing the best that we can. And why should it be any less in life itself, the race of life? Why should we lack in preparation in our life? Paul says this, Do you not know in a race all the runners run? Well, duh. But only one gets a prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get a crown that will not last, but we do get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified from the prize. Talking about sacrifice. It's talking about commitment. It's talking about training. How do we do that in our own life? Well, here's a good start. There's good preparation right there. Know the spiritual truth. Know what it is to apply that truth to your life. It doesn't come naturally. Applying the spiritual truth to our natural circumstance takes effort at first. And once we continue to train in it, once we continue to practice it in our life, it becomes then like second nature, like anything else. Any other sport and event, any other principle in life. Does the ability to walk come naturally to a six-month-old or a 12-month-old? No. They've got to persevere. They've got to get up again and try again. They've got to overcome the failures in order to keep going. But as a 20-year-old, or even a five-year-old, does walking become natural? Yes. Why? Because we've put in the time to do it. My friends, our Christian walk is exactly the same thing. At times and at the beginning, it takes effort to put these principles into action. But after a time, it becomes supernaturally or naturally supernatural in our life. And one more don't run alone. Don't run alone. Paul says that. In Galatians, again, he says, 14 years later, I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, 
I took Titus along also and went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be the leaders for fear that I was running or had my race, run my race in vain. Paul had probably the greatest revelation a man was ever given in the sense of the Lord appearing to him, in the sense of Holy Spirit just dumping all this, all, all this great revelation in his life about, um, and we've read it in his letters, about the new creation, about who we are in Christ, what he's done for us in our life. And it had... It had the capability of just turning him into, I don't know, this person who all of a sudden set himself up as a guru and set himself up as the, the, you know, the greatest on all earth. But he said to himself, no, I go to Jerusalem and I submit it to those that are the leaders, to those that are on my team, to those that I'm running the race with. And my friends, we are not meant to run this race alone. Neither are we meant How do I say this? We are not to set ourselves up. in a way that we make ourselves some sort of guru, some sort of keeper of a great revelation. We are all part of a team. We are all part of a wonderful journey. We are all called to live supernaturally. And it is quite simple. Take a spiritual truth, apply it to our natural circumstance and my friends, all of a sudden, you can then start wearing your underwear on the outside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's what we're called to, isn't it? It's what we're called to. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand as we finish off? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, you did not leave us as orphans. You did not leave us to fend for ourselves. You did not leave us to wallow in the miry clay and in the circumstances of life that would tend to drag us down. But Lord, even as the prophet said in the Old Testament, where do I look to for help? I look to the hills. I look to the mountains. Father, we look to the heavens. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord that we are called to this race. We are called to this journey. And Lord, no matter what the circumstance we find ourselves in, Lord, 
Even if the circumstance is sickness right now, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we apply the spiritual truth that by your stripes we are healed. And Father, we just declare it over each person who is sick right now. Lord, let be, let that be, Father, manifest in their life right now, healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone here who finds themselves dragged down by circumstance in, in work situation or family life, Lord, we just thank you right now in Jesus' name for the spiritual truth, Lord, that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. And Lord, that we are overcomers. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that even that may be applied to our lives right now. Lord, for anyone who looks in the mirror at themselves and wants to belittle themselves or devalue themselves, anyone who looks in the mirror and just sees nothing, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the spiritual truth that we are more, worth more, than all the gold and silver on this earth that we were worth dying for. Thank you for this spiritual truth, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we apply it in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we come today and we thank you and we honour you. Holy Spirit, let those seeds just germinate right now. Let them grow in our hearts and our spirit. Let everything that is about us reflect this and express itself in the way we live, in the way we treat ourselves, in the way we treat others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.